Second Sunday of Advent, the celebration of Christ's coming. Uh, last week, we focused on hope. If you remember, the biblical hope is a strong and confident expectation based on the promises of God's Word. We saw that our hope is in Jesus Christ, in His uh, coming in the past to die for our sins, in His coming in the present to enter and transform our lives, and in His coming in the future to call us uh, to Himself for eternity in His presence. Uh, this week, our focus uh, moves from hope to peace. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, as has been read, the angel announcing Christ's birth to the shepherds says this, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Christ coming into the world marked the coming of peace. So we ask, as we did last week, we asked, what is hope? So we ask, what is peace? So in the Old Testament, the main Hebrew word for peace is shalom. You guys are so smart. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is, and not as smart as you thought, huh? Irini, Irini. Say that with, no, don't. And just like our English word for peace, shalom and irini have a, a wide range of meanings. They can mean a, a cessation of war between nations. Uh, since World War II, the U.S. and Japan have been at peace. They can mean uh, a return to good relations between individual people. The husband and wife are fighting, but now they have reconciled. They're at peace. The words can mean an internal sense of calm, security, tranquility. I was struggling with this decision, but I prayed, and, and now I have peace. So with this wide range of meanings, what kind of peace were the angels announcing in Luke chapter 2 when they say, on earth, peace? For many, this has sort of become a synonymous with this idea of world peace. Wikipedia defines world peace as an ideal of freedom, peace, and happiness among and within all nations and or people. World peace is an idea of planetary nonviolence by which nations willingly cooperate, either voluntarily or by virtue of a system of governance that prevents warfare. And this world peace is seen by many as the answer to all human problems. But when the angels say, on earth peace, is that what they're referring to? Are they praising God for a Messiah that will bring the end to war? End, end to war? Uh, for a Messiah that will bring freedom, peace, happiness, and planetary nonviolence? Well, if that's the case, then there are two problems. First, there's a biblical problem because Jesus later said of himself, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus specifically says he uh, not only didn't come to end war, but his coming would bring the sword, uh, a symbol for violence or war. Jesus knew that his coming would cause division and even violence among peoples. And we've seen that 
So first, biblically speaking, we can't say Jesus came to bring world peace. And second, practically speaking, we can't say that Jesus brought world peace. Because neither before nor after uh, His coming has humanity been at peace. Our world is continually filled with conflict and war and violence. There are times of peace between nations, but they are few and far between. According to a 2003 New York Times article, since the beginning of the 4,000 years of recorded history, there are only 286 years that the historians cannot point to a specific conflict between people. So both biblically and practically, we know that when the angels cry out, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased, they are not talking about the end of war. So what kind of peace are they talking about? Not, not peace between nations, but what we will see this morning uh, is they're talking about peace between God and at least some of humanity. The peace that the angel spoke of has a, a three-part definition, and it's all about God. Peace is a cessation of hostilities towards God. And that cessation of hostilities leads to the second part. Peace is a return to right relationship with God. And that right relationship with God leads to part three. Peace is an internal feeling of tranquility from God. A cessation of hostilities toward God. A, right, uh, a return to right relationship with God. And an internal feeling of tranquility from God. That's peace. That's biblical peace. Now, to be honest with you, in these difficult times, uh, pandemic shutdowns, protests, contested elections, uh, and so much more, I've been struggling with that third part of the definition, the internal feeling of tranquility. Instead, all too often, I, I find myself feeling uh, anxious, worrying, not so much about myself, I mean, I'm just turned 57. It's almost over for me, right? <laughs> but, but, but I've been worrying about, thinking about my kids, now my grandkids, uh, and maybe you can relate. Maybe your sense of peace has been taken away by your present circumstances. Well, it's my hope and prayer that as we look at God's Word today, as we focus on the peace He offers, peace that transcends circumstances, that we, you and I, those for whom hostilities with God have ceased, those uh, who are in right relationship with God, that we might experience a new, a, a rejuvenated sense of tranquility with God. And to do that, we must, in our hearts and minds, firmly establish the foundation of our peace with God. And that is, peace comes through Christ alone. Peace comes through Christ is in the slide, but you can add alone, because that's it. Notice that the angel's announcement of peace comes right after their announcement of Christ. They say to the shepherds, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. That's Jesus. And as soon as the announcement comes, all heaven breaks loose. I mean, this is amazing. I mean, we, we are kind of used to it, right? This is the Christmas passage, one of them anyway. 
But this, imagine you're a shepherd out there, and all of a sudden, and suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude, that means a lot, of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Glory to God. God is going to do something new. He's doing something different here. Uh, God has sent His Son into this world and that Son will bring peace. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way to attain it. Now, before we talk more about peace, we need to back up a second. Let's not miss the obvious. If peace comes through Christ, if Christ brings peace, then before Christ there was no peace. Ever since the fall, we talked about that last week, Adam and Eve, uh, disobedience to God. Ever since humanity was corrupted by sin, we have been separated from God. Sin put a, a wedge of separation between God and man. The prophet Isaiah makes it very clear. Chapter 59, verse 2, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. Most of us have probably heard this uh, separation between God and, and humanity explained this way. God is holy and therefore cannot allow sinful people to come into His presence. And that is true. But it's more than that. When it's explained that way, it seems like that we have some disease that, that God doesn't want to uh, be exposed to. That we are just that, 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 that we're just waiting patiently for the cure, the vaccine, right? To our sin. That we're just passive victims of sin. But Scripture gives a different picture. Yes, we are corrupted by sin. Yes, because of that corruption, we cannot be reconciled to God. But we do not just sit back waiting for a cure, waiting for a vaccine. We are not passive. We are not the innocent victims of sin. We are hostile towards God. We are enemies of God. We are at war with God. In Romans 5, the Apostle Paul writes, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son... Christ did not bring peace with God for those who were in Switzerland, right? The neutral people. He brought peace, he brought reconciliation to those who were the enemies of God. Who were hostile to God. Who had rejected God and turned to other gods. And how did Christ accomplish this? Paul says in Colossians 1, 20 and 22... And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Amen. You who were once alienated, separated, distant, and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. 
You who were at war with God, Christ, by His death on the cross, through the shedding of His innocent blood, has made peace. He's reconciled the alienated, the hostile, the evil to God. And now, He can present you holy and blameless, above reproach before God. Through Christ alone, peace with God is accomplished. So we have, I hope, firmly established that peace with God comes through Christ alone. But there's another thing we need to establish. That is, uh, that is who receives this peace with, uh, with God and from God. That's our second point. Peace comes to uh, the pleasing. Some think uh, peace with God will eventually in some way come to all. However, in Luke 2.14, the angels say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Peace among those with whom He is pleased. Peace does not come to all. Peace comes to those whom God is pleased with, happy with, looks upon with favor. So we have to ask, I mean, this is maybe the crucial question of all humankind, right? Put this way, I mean, we can put it in other ways, but who pleases God? How do you please God? I want to know, because I want that peace with God, right? Well, in Hebrews 11.6, we read, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. God is pleased by those who have faith. Therefore, peace with God comes only to those who have faith. Remember Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who've been justified by faith have peace with God. So what does it mean to be justified by faith? Justified means to be acquitted, to be freed, to be declared righteous in a sense. And faith means to rely upon, to put your trust in, to to believe in. We are set free from our sin by putting our trust in Jesus Christ alone. And when we put our faith in Christ, then that is pleasing to God. In fact, uh, before you do that thing that's pleasing to God, that's the only thing you can do that's pleasing to God. I would say after that, you can do other things that please God. But until you put your faith in Jesus Christ, nothing you do will be pleasing to God. And those who please God are at peace with God. Remember Colossians 3.20, And through Him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Because of Christ's death, his blood shed on the cross for you and me, we can now be reconciled to God. God extends the the olive branch to us. I was listening to, I think it was Charles Stanley on the radio. If it wasn't, sorry, Charles. Uh, and he said there was this picture that always helped him of, of just seeing uh, Christ with his hand reached out to God and his hand reached out to us, that he's the, 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 the gap that bridges and then brings, brings those who trust in him 
into relationship with God. God has written a peace treaty in His Word. And and He signed it in His own blood. Now those who accept the terms of the treaty are reconciled, are at peace with God. And the terms of the treaty uh, are as follows. Complete, total surrender to Jesus Christ. There's no, uh, there's no bargaining here. Uh, God, well, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have peace with you, but can I keep this, this one thing? Can I, can I still keep doing this thing? I know your word says no, but can I keep doing that? Complete surrender to Christ. Now, that's not to say we are become completely perfect. It means we become completely surrendered to Him so He can work in our lives. You must have faith in Christ's finished work on the cross, the blood of the cross. You must put your trust in Christ, seeking to follow Him in every area of your life. Again, not perfectly, but surrenderingly. Continual confession, repentance, returning to Him. You must give yourself completely to Him. Life is no longer about you. It's about the glory of God. The Apostle Paul makes it clear, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, speaking to the church, the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I think if 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 you could underline one phrase, you are not your own, would be a phrase that we need. Because we think we are our own. We think we get to do what we want to do when we want to do it. But we are not our own. We've surrendered to Christ. You must live for Christ, follow Christ, glorify Christ. Those who accept these terms, and let me say this, uh, that's not to say uh, that you have to know these terms and accept them right at that initial stage of coming to Christ. Sometimes we don't know. We're just saying, help me, Jesus. Lord, I trust in you, not even knowing what that means. And then he, by grace, gives us his spirit, and then the spirit says, hey, you got to live for Christ. So it's a, it's a work, it's a process of living for Christ, of following Christ, of seeking to glorify Christ. And those who accept these terms are reconciled to God. For those who put their faith in Christ, the war with God is over. It's done. Their sins are forgiven. They enter into relationship with God. They're at peace with God. And they can then begin to experience that that inner peace that comes from trusting in Christ. That peace that we long for, but all too often struggle to grab hold of. Now this internal peace of the soul is directly related to our peace with God. It's not until we have peace with God that we can have true peace in our soul. I mean, we see around us turmoil and Difficulty and struggles and lack of peace between people and lack of peace. I mean, it's all a result of not knowing God. It's not until we have a relationship with Christ that we can have this internal peace. Jesus is the prerequisite to peace. Maybe you've heard the saying, no Jesus, N-O Jesus, no peace. 
or no Jesus, K-N-O-W-G's, no peace. It may be cliche, but it's true. Peace with God comes through Jesus Christ alone. And it's when you have peace with God, when you've returned to right relationship with God, that you can begin to experience internal peace, tranquility from God. Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, Now, may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Jesus is the Lord of peace. We heard already, He's the Prince of peace. Jesus is the Lord and the Prince of peace. And He gives eternal peace, internal peace, and eternal peace to those who put their faith in Him. It was only to His disciples, those who put their faith in Christ, that Jesus promised, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's a verse we need to... uh, put on our mirrors or our refrigerators, wherever you put them uh, during these days. For those that follow Jesus, He offers peace. And, And this is a supernatural peace. This peace does not come from the world. It doesn't come from your circumstances. It's not based on whether you or others in your life get or even die from COVID-19. It's not based on your ability to go and do what you want, when you want. It's not based on having a job or financial security. It's not based on who the president is. It's not based in living, on living in a free country. It's not based on a, a bright future for your kids and your grandkids. And I could go on. Peace is based on And it's given by Christ to those who put their faith in Him. It's not based on present earthly circumstances. It's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's based in our eternal security in Christ. I was talking this morning uh, to Chad as we, in the parking lot, as he arrived. And I was talking about, yeah, I'm going to preach about peace, but I've been struggling with peace having some peace, and uh, it was in preparing this message that it, it, it helped me. Uh, but he said, well, at least you're saved. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's a big one, right? At least you're saved. At least you get to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. And, you know, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty good one. So how do we experience this kind of internal peace if Chad's not there to say, hey, you're saved, you dummy? How in the midst of so much turmoil do we experience tranquility in our hearts and our souls? We know peace comes through Christ. No peace, no no Jesus, no peace. K-N-O, Jesus. K-N-O, peace, right? And we know it comes to the pleasing, those who put their faith in, in Christ, those who completely surrender to Christ. But it, it doesn't come all at once. It's not a, a magic spell. When we give our lives to Christ, He doesn't cast a, a peace spell on us. Peace like, like so many other internal qualities that we, I mean, so of hope, of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of gentleness, those fruits of the Spirit, they need to be cultivated. 
They come and grow by the power of the Holy Spirit as we live in relationship with God. That's our third point. Peace comes in relationship, relationship with God. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Peace is given by the Lord of peace. And Paul says, the Lord will be with you all. Peace is given by Jesus, but it's given in relationship with Jesus. No Jesus, no peace. There's a great deal of peace that comes from from being in relationship with Jesus. Uh, We're saved, right? Knowing that His love for you is real. Jesus Christ, if you've trusted in Him, he loves you for real, knowing that He will never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise in the Bible, right? Knowing that your sins are forgiven and you've been reconciled to God. Knowing that, that, that He will meet your earthly needs. Whatever He knows you need, He will give you. Knowing that He will prepare a place for you in heaven and will one day be with you all, for all eternity. And again, I could go on. To the extent that we trust Christ in His Word, we will have peace. To the extent we don't trust Christ and His Word, we won't have peace. To the extent, as Tim said, we trust in the sovereignty of God in our lives, we will have peace. And that trust comes in relationship. Who are the the people you trust? I mean, for the most part, They're the people you know, and you know are trustworthy. They're people you have experience with. They're people who've who've proven themselves in the past. The people you have relationship with. And that same is true with Christ. To the extent we are in relationship with Him, we will trust Him. We'll not fear will have eternal security, comfort, and peace. The deeper our relationship is with God, the more peace we will have. Equation there. Deeper relationships equals greater peace. So I'd like to conclude this message by pointing out uh, just four ways that Scripture tells us we can grow in having greater peace. And interestingly, each of these four ways... Uh, not coincidentally, of gaining peace, are also ways that we grow in our relationship with God. So, real quick. Peace comes through obedience. Isaiah says, And the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever. Righteousness, doing what is right before God, obedience to God, this will bring peace. Living in obedience to God brings peace. We know this is true by experience. When we sin, when we veer from that obedience, that righteousness of God, when we choose to disobey God, uh, the relationship we have with Him is, is broken. It's not destroyed. It's just broken. And until we repent and confess our sins, the the relationship remains broken and there is no uh, peace in our heart. To the extent we obey the Lord, to that extent we will have peace. 
Then second, peace comes through God's word. Jesus says, I have said these things to you, to his disciples, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The things that Jesus said to his disciples, the things that we have written down in the gospels were given to them to give them peace. Not peace in the world, but peace with God in their hearts. We're able to hear these words, these same words of Christ. We have them. And in fact, I believe the entire word of God brings peace. It is, as I said before, the peace treaty between God and humanity. As we read His Word, as we study His Word, as we obey His Word, as we memorize and rely on the promises of God's Word, we grow in our relationship with Him, we grow in our faith and our trust in Him, and we have peace. I mean, just take that one uh, quality that Tim mentioned. As we read through God's Word and see His utter, complete, total sovereignty over all, couple that with His love for us, peace. Sovereignty uh, equation plus love equals peace. Sovereignty of God plus the love of God equals peace in our hearts. So God's Word brings peace. And third, peace comes through meditation. Uh, not chanting meditation, but meditation on God. In Isaiah we read, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I mean, it can't be much clearer than that, right? Perfect peace comes to those whose mind is fixed on God, on the things of God, on the person of God, on the nature of God. This is something that we, we really struggle with in our culture. I struggle with it. Fixing our mind, fixing my mind on anything is very difficult. There are so many distractions. That's why I believe we need to take the time to meditate on God, on who God is, how He's revealed Himself to us in His Word, His purposes for our lives. Meditation uh, stopping, pausing, thinking about something over again it seems to be a, a lost art. Taking the time to get away from the distractions and focus on the Lord. And as we focus on God, as our focus, I mean, as the things around us grow strangely dim and our focus becomes on the Lord, our trust in Him will grow. And with trust comes peace. And finally, peace comes through prayer. Probably the best known verses related to, to peace in the Bible are found in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I think, we've, I think somebody read those, those today. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is some of the most practical advice, uh, commands ever given in the Bible. Do not be anxious about anything. He's speaking to me here, maybe to you as well. Why should you be anxious? What's the point? If God is real, if God is sovereign, if He is both a God of great power, 
sovereignty and a God of love, then what do you have to be anxious about? But this life, maybe especially now for some, is full of things that make us anxious, right? Pandemics, shutdowns, maybe even our current church situation, so many other things in our personal lives that maybe no one else knows about. Now, some of these things that cause anxiety, we can do something about, right? And others we can't. But in either case, uh, we are subject to anxiety and fear. But Paul says, instead of anxiety over the things you think you can control and the things you know you can't control, either way, give them to the Lord in prayer. Take them to Him. Put them on His plate. I mean, it's, a, it's like this, these, this anxiety and worries is this huge burden that we carry around, but we can take it through prayer and lay it at His feet because He can handle it. He is not subject to anxiety. God has a lot of character qualities, but anxiety is not one of them. You can thank Him for His love and mercy and willingness to hear your request. And then comes the promise. You know, do that. Take your anxiety to Him and the great promises is, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you want that? When we take the things in our lives that are causing us anxiety and when we give them to God in prayer, trusting His power and love, trusting that He alone knows what is best for us and for others, passing the burden to Him, then we, we can rest. If we really trust Him, if we really have faith in Him, then we can have peace. Now let me explain to you this peace of God. Oh, uh, wait a minute, I can't do that. Because uh, Paul says it surpasses all understanding. We can't explain the peace of God. It's a supernatural thing. We can only experience it, right? It's the peace that, that David felt when facing the giant Goliath. I, I don't know how he did that. It's the peace that Daniel felt in the lion's den. I mean, giants and lions and bears? No. It's the peace that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego felt when they were thrown into the fiery furnace. It's the peace that, that Peter and John felt when they were beaten for proclaiming the gospel. It's the peace that Paul felt when he was shipwrecked, beaten, and left for dead. It's the peace that you and I can experience even in the midst of our present difficult circumstances if we will trust in God. I mean, re go back to your Old Testament and read those those. You know, sometimes we, we, we teach them to our kids and we forget them about them for ourselves. They're all about these guys that, that didn't fear in uh, extremely fearful circumstances because they trusted in God. If we will enter into relationship with Him, obeying Him, meditating on Him, uh, uh, turning to His Word, and casting our cares upon Him in prayer... We'll have peace. Over 2,000 years ago, Christ came into this world. He didn't come uh, just to bring peace, but he, be, he came to be our peace. Paul writes to the Ephesians, for He Himself is our peace. Through Christ alone, through His death, 
the shedding of his blood, we have peace with God. But to receive this peace, we must put our faith in him. We must trust him above and in spite of our circumstances. Then we can experience that internal peace, that comfort, that security, that tranquility that he offers that comes through relationship with him, through knowing him. Would you join me in prayer? That we might in, in, in the coming days and weeks and months and years experience this kind of peace with and from God. Peace that transcends all earthly circumstances and all of our own personal understanding. Father God, give us, give us peace. Help us to, to rid ourselves of anxiety. Thank you for providing a, a way to peace, a way to reconciliation with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus, Father. Thank you that, that you now offer a relationship with you, the, the living God, that you offer to, to, to love us, to care for us, Lord, and help us to trust in that. Help us to trust in your promises. Lord, give us peace, peace that, that will be so amazing, so uh, ununderstandable by the world, Lord, that they would look at us and think, man, something's going on in you. Either you're crazy or something real has happened to you. Lord, just give us that peace, peace that testifies to your great glory. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So that uh, concludes the message. Next week we'll have some joy, but I'm going to ask Tom to come up and lead us in our extended time.